Hi folks, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, I am overjoyed to bring you a conversation with children's book author Tamika Fryer Brown. She's the author of several books, 12 Dinging Doorbells, Not Done Yet, Shirley Chris Holmes, Fight for Change. Today, she's here to talk about her latest book entitled That Flag, which is the story of best friends who are divided over the meaning and significance of the Confederate flag. We talk about um, the so-called debate over which topics are quote-unquote age-appropriate. We talk about what it's going to mean to make more space for important books like this one, how we can support authors like Tamika Fryer-Brown, and much more on this episode. That means it's a good time for me to remind you about the amazing nonprofit work of the folks at Pride and Less Prejudice. They're doing a great job to make sure that books that tell kids the truth are making their way into classrooms all across North America. If you've not yet signed up for the free newsletter from the amazing folks at Pride and Less Prejudice, please head over to the show notes and be sure to sign up for it. They often have great events for educators like you. Now, on with the show, and I'll let you know that you'll also be able to learn all about today's incredible guest and her work in the show notes as well. Please welcome Tamika Fryer-Brown. Uh, as soon as I finished your amazing book, That Flag, I very quickly just sort of hopped on my phone, wrote to a few school leader friends in my network and said, get this, add it to your professional development library. Listeners, the book is available now. Um, and I am well aware the book's intended audience is young learners. And of course, it is also a wonderful book for them. But I have to say, I felt like the book's framing, it appeals to so many adult readers I know who are currently struggling or have struggled with needing to, you know, redefine the boundaries around certain friendships, um, family members, again, over issues that are sometimes labeled as, you know, quote unquote political, but of course are deeply personal. Mm -hmm. Many people I know, you know, they're, they're craving resources like this book that are going to support and serve as a catalyst for deeper dialogue. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, do you think it's it's me mischaracterizing your book by saying that that flag is also a text for adult readers to pick up as well? Oh, absolutely not. You're you're on point. In fact, I'm one of those people who thinks that picture books in general are also for adults because, you know, the picture book is an art form that really, it just takes, sometimes it takes complex um, topics and it just really distills them down to their more simple essences. You know what I mean? And so um, it, that flag is no different. What I wanted to do is to just really let folks know what these emblems, these uh, Confederate emblems, overall racist emblems, how they make us feel, you know, as as Black Americans in particular, including children. Um, and I think that um, a lot of times when people are debating these issues, they aren't really taking into account the emotional impact and trauma 
that they that these that these emblems have and and sometimes it's a willful ignorance for it to be sure but um other times it's just folks really buying into and believing everything that they've been taught their entire lives without questioning and um you know that's what i wanted to do with this book not only to educate our next generation of um, citizens and leaders and change makers, but also the the adults that I knew would, would be reading this alongside them. I wanted them to be able to be educated and maybe challenge um, their own beliefs and things that they've been taught um, for maybe the first time. Because, you know, we include not only that emotional aspect that I was talking about how it makes us feel, but there's a lot of facts in history that's included, um, especially in the back matter and um, additional resources, but also in, in the text itself. So I, you're not off base at all. This book um, is, is probably equally for adults as it is for, for kids. You know, it's interesting. It, it dawns on me as you're talking about the emotional component and the power of picture books. And I almost wonder, is there something about picking up a picture book that almost subconsciously reminds the adult reader of like, remember when you were younger and you were really open-minded and you were able to listen um, and tap into those emotions as a way of knowing? You know, sometimes I think there's a danger in always intellectualizing these conversations and that's yes emotional component of the book um i mean it, again it's it's something that you know i feel you and your award-winning illustrator nicholas smith that the pairing i don't know if that was your choice if that was someone else's genius that put the two of you together on this book but the pairing of your words and Smith's illustrations is incredible. And I'm thinking right now specifically of the spread on pages 30 to 31. There's this moment of juxtaposition that even just when I'm imagining those pages, it gives me chills too. And again, I would say, you know, it's true of every turn of the page, but that pairing evokes such a strong emotional response. And I have no doubt it's going to just continue to garner you critical praise can you talk a little bit about the collaborative approach and shared vision that you and, and Nicholas Smith had for this book? Yeah, well, you know, interestingly, we did not really um, communicate throughout the process, uh, only afterwards. Um, he had the manuscript and whatever few uh, art notes I had included in, they were few. Um, but I think that we both came to this story, and I know Nicholas has communicated this, that we have, um, we both had a personal relationship with the subject matter. You know, we're both from the South. We both, both grew up in the South. Nicholas grew up in Texas, seeing that flag <laughs> everywhere. And, um, and also having a, a childhood friendship that he says was very much like um, Kira and Bianca's. And um, and so I think the fact that we both had such personal um, identification with the subject matter 
and with the story, I think when he went to create his phenomenal art for the book, um, he was just able to do what magnificent illustrators are able to do is and amplify the story and and add layers onto the text that really make just really increase the power of this book, you know, manifold. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's, I, I have spoken to a number of different picture book authors and, you know, again, I'm always fascinated by how that process sometimes unfolds where the author doesn't necessarily, you know, either get to like handpick, this is going to be the person to collaborate with, or that the two of you weren't having this dialogue throughout. Uh, I'm wondering what that felt like for you the moment that you did see the illustrations, you know, how, how similar was it? Uh, or, you know, again, Nicholas Smith is such an incredible illustrator. Did you just sort of know, like, I, I trust in this process and have no doubt that these illustrations are going to, you know, really make for the partnership with my words that that I need them to be. I'm I'm just sort of wondering in the moment of you first seeing the words, um, mm -hmm. you know, brought to life in that way, what that was like for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll I'll say this: I was aware um, that my editor. Luana Hori was going to approach Nicholas about illustrating the book. And this was before the 1619 Project Born in the Water had been publicly announced. But after he had had a number of his illustrations go viral, um, because he is an artivist and um, his, his artistic focus and vision is to create images that help people or inspire people to make a positive change. And so I, I was in love with what we call his, he calls his Sunday sketches um, that have gone viral. And when his name, when she told me, okay, I'm, what do you think about Nicholas Smith? I was like, yes, <laughs> please, really quickly, um, ask him. Because um, I just knew. And then when One on the Water came out, I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I had all the faith in the world that when he got to working on that flag, it was going to be off the charts phenomenal. And it was even better than anything I expected. So, yeah. Well, and uh, again, it, it's been lovely to just sort of see all of the fanfare around the book launch and the response to it. And I have no doubt, you know, that will only continue as more and more folks get their hands on this book. I have to say that that flag does something that I really think we need to see more of in media. Um, you know, I'm thinking TV and film. It really honors the emotional and intellectual complexity of young learners. Uh, Bianca and Kara, they have very complicated inner worlds. They are aware. They want to engage with the realities of the world that's around them. Um, and so often I hear folks say things like, oh, children are too young or, quote, you know, that's not age appropriate when we're talking about reality, history, society, mm -hmm. community. Um, and of course, you know, there are many children for whom the option to, you know, quote, opt out of these topics doesn't exist. 
-hmm. So, you know, lately in the world of education, I'm just thinking about how we make that mistake in framing our work as needing to, you know, provide opportunities for students to use their voice or to, quote, give them agency when in reality, students have it. And I, I really think That's in right. education, like, let's focus more on, can we just not put speed bumps in their path? Um, you know, and again, I, I just think this book is a really critical reminder of that. Would you say more about how you wanted to construct those characters or, you know, maybe talk about one of the many, many artful choices that you had to make uh, in your journey of telling their story and setting up these two characters, um, you know, again, to not just be, you know, like removed from reality, but very, very interested in having those critical conversations that, again, adults sometimes struggle to have. That's right. I mean, you know, I I, I love everything that you just said. You know, kids are living in this world just like we are. And try as people might to protect, and I say that using mental air quotes, to protect them, um, that is impossible. And as you said, you know, it seems that only certain kids have that luxury of that um, protection from reality. And, 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 in reality, they aren't being protected either. They're all being hampered. And so um, my philosophy and goal is to tell kids the truth about um, all kinds of things. And anyone who's ever been around kids knows that they seek the truth. They crave the truth. It's why they ask a million why questions all the time. It is a natural thing for kids to want to know the truth. And it is only adult discomfort with engaging in these conversations um, that puts up the roadblocks, really. Um, there's, I don't think there's anything that you can't communicate to a child um, in a way that is understandable for them. That's why I see the age appropriateness coming in, the language that we use that they can get and understand. And so when I was writing this particular story about a truth that I think it's really important for all kids to understand right now, especially given the times that we're living in, um, when it seems like people are trying to take us back to a time where we have far less freedoms um, in our society. I think ignorance is like the oxygen racism and sexism and all kinds of oppressive um, things. It's, it thrives on, you know, it thrives on ignorance. And so in order to fight it, we've got to, um, to, to speak truths and that includes to our children. So when I was writing, that flag. That's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to tell the truth in a, as simple a way as possible that kids would understand. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm most proud about as far as the feedback that I've gotten so far is that um, it seems to be unanimous that people feel that we deal with this topic in that age appropriate way, meaning that it's really um simple and easy for kids to understand and engage with the story. So um, that was one of the things that I guess if we were talking about a craft focus, 
was just to um, tell the truth as simply um, as possible. And I, I think the way that you use the concept of friendship as a mm -hmm. vehicle for them to be, you know, again, how does our understanding of the truth affect friendship? Um, I think that is an experience that readers, young and old, are really going to be able to latch onto. Um, you know, in I, I'm so glad to hear you're already getting that feedback. And I know that listeners will be wondering, okay, if I've got students that want to reach out or review the book or just thank you for the book or let them know what other conversations they had as a result of reading. Um, are there certain spaces where a review or a letter to you, um, you know, or a DM to you? I don't know. You know, what are the methods of, of communication that you um, you would prefer or are useful to you? Yeah, well, any um, if anyone has anything that they would like to share uh, as far as a review goes, um, the normal places, Goodreads is a, a great place and, and bookseller sites um, that offer spaces to, to give reviews. Those are always helpful and appreciated. As far as um, sharing with me directly, maybe the impact that uh, that flag has had on, on any um, particular individual or group of individuals, I am on all the social media. Um, I am on Instagram as Tamika Fryer Brown. I have a public Facebook page, Tamika Fryer Brown, children's book author. And currently, as it stands, I'm on Twitter as T, T E E Brown Kidlet. And even my website, TamikaFryerBrown.com, has a contact page where people can reach me. So, um, yeah, any of those ways would be um would be appreciated and welcomed and i'll make sure again listeners that all of those links will be in the show notes nice and accessible for you to find uh, just in closing and i think i just said like final question and i you know <laughs> really this time i mean it final question you know touching on that idea of I'm, I'm a fan of goodreads i'm also a fan of you know helping students learn the power of uh, crafting a review so that others discover books and media that we love could you say something about, as an author, what those reviews mean to you or in what way, again, they might help other readers find the book? Because I, I just sometimes think it's really important, as you were saying, we, we do need more books that speak the truth. And I think if we want to see publishers continue to seek out stories like that, sometimes I think it's the role of the reader, like remind booksellers that this is this is what we want. This is what we need. This is what we appreciate. Well, I think you said it probably better than I could. Yeah, we as authors, um, we need for readers to weigh in. And when you weigh in, especially when you weigh in in a, in a very positive way about a particular book, it does communicate to um, publishers and um booksellers and library professionals that people need and want and need these types of books in their lives and that they're helpful and that they matter. And when they get that message, then they will, um, then when they will create more of them. And, um, and I think we need more such books in our world. Um, 
to make a difference. So yeah, the reviews are are one of those um, very beneficial and necessary parts of the industry. Great. So listeners, there is your call to action. Again, no doubt that your book, That Flag, is already making a difference, will continue to make a difference. So listeners, wherever you can review that text, please be sure to do so. And don't underestimate even, you know, my local library uh, offers patrons the opportunity to do that. And uh, again, I'm I'm that kind of person that chats with my local librarian and they talk all the time about how somebody will come in, check out a book based on seeing a review in that space. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, You know, again, looking forward to watching the launch continue to unfold. Thank you so much for bringing that flag into our learning ecosystems. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tricia, for inviting me. I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share some more about the book. Thanks so much. Again, listeners, be sure to check out Tamika Fryer Brown's brand new book, as well as her previous work. Links to learn all about today's incredible guest are there in the show notes. Before I say farewell for this week, if you happen to be listening to this episode on the day that it drops, that's Thursday, March 2nd, this evening, you also have a great opportunity to learn via the amazing folks at Radical Pedagogy Institute. At 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, you can join them for a free Twitter chat that's using their hashtag, hashtag rad pedagogy chat. They will be talking about what it means to achieve the radical potential of student-centered learning. I'll include a link in the show notes to help you connect with Radical Pedagogy Institute and join in on their chat. Or, of course, to follow them and to be more aware of upcoming events to learn through them. Have a great week and thanks again for listening. 